Welcome to the second season of our podcast, After Class. Our first episode is me, Casey, talking to Anne Fancy, and we tend to go all over the place, which is very characteristic and very normal for the way that Anne and I interact. But we are definitely talking about topics and experiences that have been very vulnerable for both Anne and myself. If you are a regular listener to After Class and know a lot about citizen yoga, then I encourage you maybe to skip the first seven minutes or so of the podcast to get to the meat. But if you're new to citizen yoga and want to learn about some of our values and the things that we stand for, uh, listen in for those first seven minutes to give you a better context of who we are and what we're doing. Just be aware that if you are listening to this podcast and it is the pandemic, that you might hear some noises in the background, you know, Anne's dogs, Gina, Rosie rustling around. So we did record in her house. So if you are hearing some background noise, uh, just be aware that that it's real life. It's really where we were having a conversation and we hope you enjoy. My name is Casey Must. I am the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga in Detroit and Cleveland, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we get to extend our mission, which is to improve mental health and prevent suicide through personal growth and transformation. We bring on our teachers, we bring on other experts and our community to expand on things that are close to our heart and help the listeners uh, potentially expand how they're thinking about a topic, a perspective. Today, uh, my guest is Anne Fancy, and um, I'm going to have Anne... Unlike most, Fancy has been with me since the beginning of Citizen, uh, prior to the beginning of Citizen, actually. And we opened this company, I say we because it really was we, we opened this company for a variety of reasons, Um, one of which that we boiled down is to have the opportunity to teach students versus instruct students. So what what did that mean to us at that time? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was about feeling stifled in the space I was in, that the place I was teaching at had began to feel um, oppressive in a way because I was being asked to show up inauthentically. And there was a lot of pressure on me basically to not be myself, to not teach alignment-based vinyasa, um, which was really at my heart. And it was sort of a push-pull for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I wanted out, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a business owner. Mm. And, um, and so it was just really serendipitous that, that you were ready to create a change and I needed change. And I knew in my heart there was room for a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, because what I was doing was successful, even against sort of the oppression (laughs) it was facing, like the, Mm -hmm. the, powers that be were not supporting it. And, and so it was just, um, craving. I remember literally saying to you, like, if you build it, they will come. And I, I knew that like deeply that there was room to honor the boundary and integrity built into asana Mm -hmm. while still then liberating students to explore and be themselves. Yeah. And something that I think is really difficult and, and I think that I was faced with this more this past year, especially as we became bigger. And it was something I didn't really expect to be faced with, which is the sort of the paradox of allowing people to have freedom in their teaching, but upholding a standard. And and how do we balance those two things is a question I ask myself a lot. 
Um, I think I've become a little better at it, uh, but what what's the point of a standard? Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, the thing is, is that there's all kinds of standards, right, in the mm-hmm. world. And the studio I originally was at definitely had a standard. It just wasn't in align with, alignment with my core values, right? And so I think, like, we need, there needs to be some sort of, I mean, listen, you have a brand, right? Yeah. Citizen is a brand. You have to have, there's got to be some unifying principles. And and really, it goes back to core values. Like, what are your core values as a, as a business owner? What are your core values as a studio owner? What are the core values in the classroom? What are the core values of your that you have on your teaching staff? And then finding people who fit into that and trusting that the, the right students would also come once that standard was created. But, but it's also, it's really what we're facing in many ways in the pandemic, which is that many of us, it's like control and rigidity makes us feel safe. And really what we're not, like the standards, the rules aren't so tight. Like I think the beauty of anything true is that, that the truth of it, the, the, the heart of it holds up, even if some of it evolves a little or, yeah. or be, gets a little blurred. Like there's still like an anchor in, in truth and integrity, yeah. um, even as things continue to evolve and grow because your concept of citizen and our, our concept of citizen has definitely um, grown and evolved and you've had to see what works and doesn't work. But at the heart, the same integrity and truth has held up, right? Yeah. There's sort of the like people that I would call some more of like the originals that mm-hmm. stayed and you know, you and Paul and Todd and Lauren Meyer and Zemba and Nick was pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, Ladani was always a student with us in the beginning, but seeing how those people still hold the same values, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. But I think you and I, I think I really struggle as a business owner. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts right now. I'm going to try to like, go ahead I'll help you. Um, like, I really, you always tell me to not feel like this, but I always want everybody to be with us. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the hardest things that I've learned through COVID is the letting go Mm -hmm. of, of people and ideas and, and my identity and the vision of what I thought this year was going to be. And that, that the core values of, of citizen and seeing people live them, not really resonate with them, teach for other core values mm-hmm. or other reasons. I wouldn't call them core, core values. values. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I would call them other reasons yeah. of like individualism. values, yeah. yeah. Which is very opposite of, I mean, you and I, and we talk yeah. a lot about that. And not everybody will have more collective values. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that has been something that I, I personally struggle with a lot is I feel like when people... We don't share the same values. This is where I'm such a softie. Mm-hmm. I view it as a failure in myself mm-hmm. versus just a mismatch. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, I, I think it's so fascinating that like your personal experience as a business owner and really holding the emotional as well as fiscal weight of the studio um, is so in alignment of, with what's happening in the world, right? Yeah. Like, like as I'm listening to you, the reason I always say let them go is because from one step more removed, just like the compassionate witness, I can say, listen, you're just peeling away 
what, what isn't in alignment. You're just releasing what doesn't fit. And that might mean students, that might mean teachers, that might be somebody walking out of your class midway through the class that just can't hang with however you're showing up. Like, and we talk about that all the time from a personal place. Like, can I really look at myself and allow what doesn't fit, what was never mine, what was programmed into me to fall away and let it go without grasping? And in the midst of a pandemic, we tend to grasp more tightly, even to, especially to what is known but mm. unnecessary anymore or known but... Um, limiting. Limiting and, and like has been needing to go for so long, but because of the inherent fear and unknown of the world, um, we tend to grab on even more tightly to sort of that old, that old programming, right? That fear-based mind, it's ego, it's scarcity, it's all that wraps up together. So I think that your softiness for sure, you want to make everybody happy Mm. and you want to make sure everybody feels taken care of and you feel so responsible for everyone. Mm -hmm. But in truth, like I think that any business has to establish who they are and allow the people that it's like what we teach every teacher trainer Mm. show up as you your people will find you. Mm. If you show up inauthentically, you will not have as committed and loyal of a community or a, a right. st- whatever class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people won't have the same loyalty. And so over time, you as the creator of Citizen and really the heart of Citizen have had to continue to redefine your core values. And then that ripples out to teachers, students, staff, and the people who need to go will eventually go. Right. And the people who need to come will eventually come. Right. I had asked my business mentor the other day, like, okay, well, I, I, I see turnover as this like giant failure, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really like this, like, oh, I failed at something and, or I'm not doing a good job in my job. And he was describing like, okay, it's either a training issue, a values issue. He didn't use values, but I'm going to use values. It's a training issue, a values issue. And either one of those become Or it's just like the fatal flaw of like, it doesn't fit. And like, you have to be okay with that. And I think that that has truly like part of my makeup is I'm not optimistic, actually. I'm idealistic Mm -hmm. and have this like ever belief that not that I can help people change, but that people will change or they'll, they'll move from feeling like I need to just be myself and promote myself to, oh, I see the value of being a part of something. Like, I think I've tried over time to tuck myself into citizen yoga. Mm. Like that has been something that was really important to me. Like even on our social media, I really try to like not have too many photos of me on our social media. On our website, there's only one photo of me mm-hmm. on our website. And I sort of try to tuck myself into citizen so that it doesn't feel like this expression of like Casey's life which is, mm-hmm. a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, but that, that has been like my own personal journey, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's sort of looking at how, uh, particularly right now, how over the years you will tell me like, let them go. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and let it go, like, right? Mm-hmm. Like let it go and write all the, the baggage. All I mean, the, yeah. Take what's yours, right? Like right. that's the real lesson. Yes. What is, what is in this? Cause what you were just saying from your coach is true. If it's training, then you learn. Yes. If it's, um, what was the second thing? Fate, Val- like values or fate. Yeah. yeah. Then you learn. And if it's sort of the fatal fit, right. Or whatever right. that was. Fatal flaw. Yeah. Fatal flaw that doesn't fit. You then take that too, but you have to like maintain that balance of perspective. I mean, we need to do that in everything and any relationship that's sort of falling apart and anytime we're triggered and when somebody gives us feedback, like we have to go, what if this is mine to reflect on? Right. What if this is about them? Mm-hmm. And what if this is just, I need to let it go because it's just, it's not going to serve my growth. It's just, you know, how, how quickly can I release the sort of the negativity that's hanging on with that? Yeah. And I think it's hard for all human beings and then, and then back to like sort of individual versus community, which you kind of tied in there for a second. Um, it's so interesting because I was uh, re-listening to the book called um, uh, Journey of Souls, um, which I read once we lost our buddy Brian a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Um, who it, was, I feel like he's like around us today. Weirdly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, he's always here. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, so, well, maybe he knew I was going to bring him up. Um, yeah. but I was re-listening to the book and it was talking about, um, like the evolution of souls and, and different, like how you can identify, um, where you kind of are in that evolutional evolution path of mm-hmm. a soul. And, and what it was saying was that as you evolve, that your tendency is to see the world with a little more ideal and hopefulness, which we both do. Yes. Yes. And, um, and that you, that I think that the other piece of it that really struck me was like this community focus, right? And in the pandemic, it's made us inherently selfish because we're worried about our base needs being met, right? Like, who's mm-hmm. that? Not Pavlov. Maslow. Maslow. Well, thank you. And it was yeah. an S. Yes. Right. Um, the hierarchy of needs. Our base needs are being threatened, right? Food, security, shelter. Um, but so we so we all have found ourselves scrambling in that like uh, just human reaction. We are mammals, right? Like, are we going to be okay? Mm-hmm. But ultimately. Those, I think my expectation often for people and like where I'm sometimes so frustrated by the world and like, are we living in, in a twilight zone or parallel universes? Because don't you care about the whole? Like, don't you no. care about the community? I mean, yes. Don't I you really want, care. I know, right. Sorry. Don't you want everyone to have access to water and healthcare and healthy food and nutrition and education? And like, don't you want that? Like, and the answer for a lot of people is no, no, I'm too afraid. I can't see outside of myself right now. And so I think when reflecting back to the business, like you have to balance people's fears and individual needs and desires and egos, right? With also the vision, especially in the midst of chaos, of maintaining citizen to survive for everybody, right? And not only for you, but for everyone, which is huge emotional weight and has been really hard. And because you are a softie, it's so personal, which it should be because you are a caring, thoughtful person, right? But like, this is where individual versus whole, I'll give you a second, just keep talking. This is where individual versus whole is so important because while we're in our own fear and scarcity, um, at least for me as like, as we're facing this and I have the privilege of not relying in the way that I used to on my yoga income, it used to be my only way to survive. And I'm so grateful that that is not true for me anymore um, because it allowed me to have a totally different perspective. Yeah. And um, 
but I also am able to see, I'm also able to see from the perspective of, oh, I'm having a trigger, I'm having a reaction, this isn't enough. Like, I get that. Like, we all can feel that. But I also understand that you, as the business owner, have done um, everything you can to be so careful about every decision in an effort to not only save your teachers, who you feel very responsible for, save your community, and of course, save your business, right? Which is, if the business doesn't get saved, none of us have, mm-hmm. like, forget the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, are, we are the collective. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that a little bit? I think that there's, yeah, I'm, I think that the, the weight of making sure that everybody is okay has created, I mean, if you don't, if you don't know me very well, then it won't be obvious when I teach because teaching to me is like this bubble of like presence that I don't get anywhere else Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And teaching it to me is that privileged space. It's not a job. Yeah. It's not, I don't do it. I do it because it's, it's so like, it's, it's my first love, which mm-hmm. I never expected. I thought actually running the business was going to be my first love. Mm. And then teaching was just going to be a thing that I did. Mm. And it completely has reversed over the years um, where teaching has become the privileged space of my day. And um, so I think that, like, if you do know me and you've, you've been around me... Um, it's sort of holding two sides of myself. One is like, I'm not allowed to have my own individual experience of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. People forget that I'm just an individual having Mm -hmm. my own pandemic experience because Mm -hmm. my role is to hold everybody else's pandemic experience. Mm. So like when people are talking to me, sometimes I feel like, okay, my, my experience of this is pretty negated, which is okay. Like that is my job. But then in the, my private life or when I have conversations with you or Adam or Morgan or, you know, Sujin, whoever it is that's like sort of listening consistently to like how I'm feeling about what's going on, it's, it's sort of like this, I, I can't help what's happening and I can't do better. Mm-hmm. And that is very difficult for me because mm. before I could do better, I had more... I've been so responsible with the business, mm-hmm. you know, and I've worked incessantly. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Alyssa this morning, like I wake up at 4 a.m. every night right now and I think about my to-do list and I acknowledge that there are, there is no way that I have enough hours in my day to actually do the work I need to get done. Mm-hmm. There's literally no way. Mm-hmm. If I worked from 6 a.m. to, which is usually what my day is, to 8, to 8.30, mm-hmm. I, there is no possibility of even chipping away at this like infinite to-do list because I, I just, I, I don't, there's so, we're opening a new business and a business that I didn't even plan to open. So there's like that piece. And mm-hmm. then just that sadness that I, I feel that I can't provide for everybody right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you and I have talked about that and sort of watching people move in and out of feeling supported, feeling unsupported, and n- not knowing how to support people through this. Mm-hmm. Um, because our government and our leadership isn't helping me either. 
And I think that that's really the biggest thing is that from the top, we're not being supported. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of like, you know, I bought this mug from the Colbert show, um, be your own president. Mm -hmm. And really that's really what is, um, is being required of us right now is Mm -hmm. like, be your own president, um, be your own leader. And that is really sad because that is causing the, it's stripping away. This thought was, we all have core values that we say we are. Mm-hmm. That we present. Yes. And I think that in a pandemic like this that we've never expected, mm-hmm. our core values are so challenged that they are stripped away. And what you've actually, what I've seen, and not everybody, of course, so don't don't take this personally. Um, and maybe in, in just watching the news, let's just put it in the news instead of in Citizen mm-hmm. or our immediate community, that what has what is left is just this individual value mm-hmm. of the in, of the individual mm-hmm. and so what core values do we really hold right and that to me has been maybe the most di- disappointing and depressing um part of the pandemic for me yeah I just suddenly got like this this like vision of that in many ways not all but in many ways that is sort of the the parallel timelines and the twilight zone experience is that Mm -hmm. there's those of us kind of screaming out like, where's your humanity? Right. And, um, and really like calling the the shadows all over every single institution are being illuminated. Mm -hmm. And we're looking like, can't you see this? Don't you see this? Don't you care? Don't you want everybody to be okay? And then it seems like the other sort of line is like just totally focused on self me and self-preservation and personal survival Mm. and you and I and many of the people that we surround ourselves with are like don't you recognize now more than ever our individual survival is dependent on our collective survival Mm. and and until we are really willing to return back to that knowing we're going to be in this bizarre mm-hmm. world of, of conflict mm-hmm. and separation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, like I thinking about all of this, like what, what lessons have come from it or reminders have come is like how valuable tribe is. And I mean that in, in that, you know, it, the pre, pre, industrial revolution probably when we were so much more community and Mm -hmm. village based, even in early America. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, there was still, still such a sense of like, um, at least holding space to hold together the, your, your closest collective group. Right. Mm -hmm. And that you relied on one another, um, to make it work. And I felt that way after having my daughter, but I, I felt that way even more like crisis schooling as a mother and trying to figure this out and the isolation and the individual to me felt terrible. Yeah. So jarring. Yeah. And I, I, as soon as was humanly possible, once we felt safe in quarantine, we started to like figure out who's our, who's our pod Mm -hmm. because I'm not surviving like this. My mental health isn't surviving. Mm. And it's really interesting to reflect on that um, as far as like citizen and that community space and that desire to have that community is that for a lot of people, I think that's exactly how they feel. They live in their apartment by themselves, young professionals, they have their group of people, but they know that they can show up to citizen Mm -hmm. in the community space 
and feel seen and validated. And like Mm -hmm. back to core values, like that to me was a core value of citizen. At least that's a core value of my teaching is Mm -hmm. that, you know, that if you walk into that space, even if we don't share words, even if I only mingle in your energy field, right. Or, or meander around your energy field that, you know, that I see you, that you're valued exactly as you are. Right. And and I think that's what the, the world is crying out for too, mm-hmm. right? The uprising of Black Lives Matter. It's like, listen, we mm-hmm. matter and we need you to, to acknowledge that we matter, period, end of mm-hmm. story. And anyway, I could just go on and on on that, but like the pandemic is just illuminating all of these um, places that, that are just um, imbalanced, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. I mean that it's it's one of the things I I have so many thoughts. Yeah. I have like this scribbled piece of paper right now, but yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I was thinking last night. I was talking to a good friend of mine who lived at the academy with me, um, and you know when I left the academy, um, the academy is an institution, mm-hmm. and through the pandemic, something that I have realized is that Citizen, because of its growth, has become this semi pseudo institution, mm-hmm. and that has like the resistance of like, I'm now this institution mm. has been like sort of a part of my language, a mind fuck for me. Like, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an institution. Like, right. or like, oh, like this is a, like I'm at citizen. I'm not at citizen or like I'm this authority and the sort of anti-institution space. And I was, we were talking or re- recalling like, does it, does it have to be this way? Like, and I think that you and I can prove that it doesn't have to be this way, but I think for a lot of people it is. Like, you get super involved in an institution. Mm-hmm. You, like, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You grow out of the institution and you're resentful of the institution. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, like, something in Citizen that I really want to prove, but I don't, I know that's possible for a lot of people. I don't know if it's possible for all people, is to not have that happen. Mm. Like, how do we how do I create a porous enough space? How do we create a porous enough space that we stand for something, mm-hmm. but we also allow for people to be the something? And I think that that is where it can be a little clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I don't want it. I don't want citizen to be some like institution, like, Oh, I taught it this studio and like mm-hmm. I loved it for five years or four yeah. years and then like oh like now I'm a different person now I have to like break that relationship and like get angry about it and like I, it, I'm not really talking about citizen actually I'm talking more about even the academy like yeah. oh well are you deinstitutionalizing yourself mm-hmm. and so something that I was talking about with Glenn last night was you know he sort of well I can't talk about him. I went through a breakup a little bit with the Academy when I moved home and went through a really deep depression, which you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. before on podcast. And one of the things that I realized, even though I love the Academy so much is like, I don't need the Academy for the knowledge. The knowledge was a gift and I don't have to have negative feelings about the Academy because I'm a different person now. Mm -hmm. I just have to see that it has roles in my life and it still has a role in my life. Mm -hmm. But because I've become a more mature person, I don't have to like, speak poorly about it you know I can grow out of it but still be a part of it Mm -hmm. and so I think that that through this experience of COVID actually and sort of the uprising against authority I became this like authority figure that Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to be Mm -hmm. like oh and now like it's like I, I I don't know if I'm making sense but like 
I'm the man. Right. When did I become the man? Right. And like how sad and isolating that experience was. I think that I like can feel that in my heart. Like I think that that experience has maybe been the most disappointing of owning this company Yeah. because that is not what I want to be. And like, I'm not, I know we're not, you know, I understand that we're not right. But it feels real, but it felt, that's what it felt like in that moment. And then I am in a different place than let's say like our teachers and our staff and something I was talking about with Carrie Trahan was being an owner of a business or in a certain position, you have to sacrifice your certain relationships to be in that seat. Yeah. And that is something that I resist, you know, like I am Michael Scott in that way. Like Mm -hmm. he always wants to be friends with his employees and he just is like, we're buddies, we're buddies. And like, I think that that isolation during COVID of, I have this very important role right now. And at the same time, our country has a, and rightfully so, I'm not saying that it was not right, like rightfully so, an uprising against authority in some way. Mm-hmm. I never thought of myself as an authority figure. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was a really jarring experience for me personally mm-hmm. and really like put me inside of my own heart. And then like my question is, how do I ensure that the future of citizen is not, this, is not an institution? Mm-hmm has porous boundaries Mm -hmm. and I think and and that I understand what my role is in people's lives and I don't have to be an authority figure but I do have to be a leader Mm -hmm. and what's the difference between an authority figure and a leader yeah yeah I think that's I mean that uh a couple things but I, I don't, like, of course, I don't see you as an authority, but we have a different relationship. And right. I can understand completely how people were treating you as the man for a while. And because they right. felt like their right. their uh, their survival was dependent on your choices, right? Yes. yes. That's exactly right. Yeah. And the weight of that was, I asked for it. I'm yes. not complaining about it. I'm not a victim to it. Yes. This was my choice. Yes. But I also had to like bear that weight. I felt alone, mm-hmm. even though like I wasn't talking to you at the, not that I wasn't talking to yeah. you, but I meant like I wasn't really reaching out because I didn't know how to reach out in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're still human. And even though you made the choice to be a business owner and take on this responsibility, it doesn't mean that it's not still hard and heavy and real. Right. Yeah. I guess that's the point. Right. And that I think people in their individual suffering, Forget that you too have individual suffering, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say that that's something that you, you personally, you fancy, um, have have really never forgotten. You never yeah. confuse that with me ever. Right. Like you're you. When I talk to you, you always remind me actually more so than like. You don't project on me that I don't have it. You actually are the person that like says to me like, "Hey, you're you're an individual and you're allowed yeah. to feel." Yeah. And that's like I really appreciate that. Well, isn't that the lesson for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Like like no matter what roles we're playing and no matter I think that's the thing that happens sometimes. I won't go on this diatribe too far, but I think that's what often happens in spirituality and yoga is that there's this idea that um 
if you're along the path a certain amount that you're supposed to somehow uh, just like be all love, peace and light and, and gracefully transition through every hardship. And I just call total BS on that and that people want to place that on you. You know, I remember somebody like coming, this is so random, but I was, you know, my, I have a very long drive to the studio. It's about three and a half minutes. And I like to do like this little drive like loop and then hit fourth street off of Woodward. And you know, sometimes you sit in traffic to get across the second part of Woodward for quite a oh while. My God, like 10 minutes. Right. Like sometimes it's really long. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I happened to, at that moment where I was faced with a line of traffic, look at my phone and some student must've been driving near or by or whatever and saw me and made some comment like, like, I thought you were more evolved than that or some sort of just like BS, like, because I'm a yoga teacher, I shouldn't check my phone in, while in traffic or something. And I was, you know, it's like, so it's the same thing. Like we warn teacher trainers, like to be really careful about when you take the seat of the teacher, people will try to elevate you to a place beyond where you belong, right? Yeah. And that I've spent my life as a yoga teacher trying really hard to stay really human and grounded yeah. so that I own my humanness yeah. and don't give you any room to put me anywhere else. Right. But in the position of a business owner, it takes on this whole other energy. So now you've got seat of the teacher and wise business owner, yeah. also the man at times, right? Yeah. And so it's like whether or not you asked for it and whether or not you ask for a citizen to be an institution or whatever, people create their own contracts. Totally. And like the surrender, like the, like, it's so interesting because like no matter how much um, you fight, I fight against the const. There's a woman that's going to come on our podcast in a couple weeks. She'll you will love her. Okay. Um, but she talks a lot about how like basically the projected view of others and you can't, you can't convince somebody when they have a very strong projection that you are anything other than their projection. And at that point you just sort of have to let it go. That's true of everything, right? That's true of every relationship. We decide who our spouse is. And then when they, when they show up differently for usually for a long time, we keep pretending that that's not true of them until eventually it comes to a point where you're like, wait, I have to reconcile who I've made you to be and who you actually are. Yes. And and I think that's the breakup breakdown of many relationships is that people aren't willing to reconcile that gap of who I think you should be and who I've made you out to be and who you actually are. Um, and, and, back to like projecting our own supposed core values and then hitting a pandemic. Um, part of what I was hearing when you were talking about citizen as an institution and learning and, and find, figuring out how it can be more porous. I think this goes back to the conversation I'm constantly having both with students and friends and everybody, um, which is like, am I, is the studio, is the, the business concept, um, are you as a human being, are you willing to evolve? Like, are you right. willing to grow and transition? You know, I was saying yesterday in class of talking about this idea of flow, because I had this absolutely hilarious tubing um, experience, but I won't share that with you. But uh, so many of the lessons are about learning how to just like surrender into right. what was happening and that you had no effing control. Right. And you were trying your best to go with the flow, oh even God. if the flow doesn't seem to be moving, right? Right. And so it was like, you know, 
Is that when, like, the water comes over the tube? They, no, this was that more was like, like... I really hate that, when the water, like, goes over the front of the tube, and then you're, like, being dragged underneath the water. Okay, so that's really scary. That is scary, and this is the kind of tubing where you are at the mercy of the river, because it's, like, the rafting tubing, but oh. it's lazy river. So, sorry, that was unclear, but yes, that is another uh, okay, lesson. Yeah. Let go of the damn tube in that, in that mm-hmm. situation. This was more like, the river was so high, it wasn't moving, and then the wind was blowing against us, and we... You were going backwards completely up the stuck. river? Yes. We were oh, my in, God, that's a Without a paddle. Oh Literally, that analogy. And then trying to manage everybody's feelings and, and what's happening. Anyway, the point was, it was a huge lesson in re- surrender, which is what this pandemic's have been about. We don't know the outcome. Right. We have no power. Sometimes it feels like we're literally moving backwards a lot of the time. The wind's mm-hmm. against you. You've got no oar. And you've got to just surrender into letting go and, 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 and then making moment-by-moment decisions. Yeah. Um, but... Within that is also, what weight can I drop off? What, what am I re- willing to let go of? What is being really clear that isn't working? And like, it isn't just go with the flow and be this like inactive being, which totally. I think you often hear about. Yeah. It's more like, can I step into flow and recognize that it exists everywhere and that innovation and creativity and all of these things come out of this really uncomfortable place. And am I willing to evolve? Mm -hmm. Is the studio willing to continue to evolve and adapt? Am I going to find anchor to my resilience or am I going to keep pulling back into this perceived control? Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was like, to me, that was something, um, that we had talked about before, which, uh, not here, but, uh, which is if I have a really, if you have a really strong idea of what it should be or what it was, then you can't innovate. And that was, I was telling you that that was a process I had to go through in this moment. Um, you know, we thought the pandemic, I, I'm going to write down so I don't forget this. Um, but in the beginning, you know, what we did and the decisions that we made, we were making, you know, decisions, that were based on a three-week pandemic. Right. You know? Right. Like, that's what we thought it was going to be. Or a six-week pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then an eight-week pandemic. And Mm -hmm. at some point, it was like, okay, like, there there is this weird balance of, like, okay, what what amount of risk do we take and what amount of protection Mm -hmm. do we hold? Mm -hmm. And that has been, to me, one of the most challenging things is... Mm -hmm. The, the lack of timeline really makes your amount of risk that you know to take completely unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this, but like one of the risks was like paying our staff. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a, a huge risk, but I also felt so grateful because I had been so smart in the past that I had, I think Morgan and I had talked about this, like prepared for everything except this. Yeah. Like yeah. I prepared for like, all of the different terrible outcomes that could happen except yep. this outcome that yeah. I had never prepared for. Yeah. And I'm glad that I sort of prepared for like other terrible things. Other other terrible things mm-hmm. to allow for everybody to get paid and feel relatively safe. Yes. Everything's relative, right? Like relatively safe in a time that nobody felt safe in any company. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not that we let it go, but we had to continue to evolve. And yes. one of the biggest learning lessons is the stripping away of what I thought citizen, what I remember citizen to be Mm. like, okay, I remember 
being in Detroit with 55 people or 60 people. Mm -hmm. I have those really strong memories of like being in your class at 830s. Like whatever those memories are, like seeing David every Mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday Mm -hmm. and like feeling those anchors of familiarity and stability. Mm -hmm. Like those students to me are familiarity and stability. Mm -hmm. And they also sort of like a dopamine reaction in my Mm -hmm. brain allow for me to withstand the difficulty of running a business. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to teach class and I don't, I see students on zoom, of course, but there it's the human energy that allowed for me to have that resilience, Mm -hmm. no matter what the world was throwing at me that day is like, Oh, I would walk in and the world would be stripped away. Mm -hmm. And so when I was going through this, I had to envision like, well, what if citizen doesn't exist? Mm-hmm. And that has been my existential fear. I, I don't know if all entrepreneurs feel like this, but yeah. I think that that is the existential fear that I had to say to myself, who am I without this accessory? It's not an accessory. I don't mean yeah. accessory like lightly or like right. superficially. I just mean that this is a part of my identity. It's become a strong part of my identity. And who would I be and how terrifying that thought was? Am I nothing without my this community? And to mm-hmm. me, I would be. I would feel so lost without the student community, the teacher community, the staff community, but also not having any control. And I think that that has what, is what has happened to every person. It's mm-hmm. like you've, you have to get stripped down and be willing to let go of what was to take up what is. And the innovation of doing a digital platform, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Like, I mean, that's hysterical. Yeah. I like literally tell my staff, like, we feel like we're working one day for us right now is a week and one week is a year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, because we we don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I had to have Adam tell me what a digital marketer was. I was like, can you explain this to me? And mm-hmm. then I had to Google it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't even know. Like, that right. sounds so silly. But, like, that, these are this is the truth. Right. Right. And how do we help have people trust, our teachers and our staff trust us in our innovations? Yeah. Yeah. I just keep hearing the same thing everywhere in every conversation I'm having, which is, and it always pulls me back to this reminder about sort of the planet, which is like yeah. forest fires are, even though they feel like devastation and like for me and you, probably you as a sensitive person, yeah. like I'm, I feel sad for the trees and the animals and like, I just like, oh, it like breaks my heart. But on the other hand, we also know that it's like a necessary part of the cycle of nature yeah. and that what happens is all this like, you know, all the nutrients kind of from this tree's feed the soil and this new growth happens and that really the stripping away and this dismantling is is and it it's the most like bittersweet part of every part of being a human on planet earth right that like whether it's a a loss or a breakup or whatever whatever that perceived um stripping away is it always allows room for fresh growth and beauty and things that you didn't expect to grow out of it. And that goes back to like that creativity and innovation, but you have to release the grip. Yeah. Right. Like the grasping piece, um, you have to let go a little bit in order to widen your viewpoint. And I know personally for me, like March to June, I am probably beyond my, I mean, I applaud you for being you had necessity and you had so much pressure. You had to figure out how to be productive. But like mm-hmm. I have been swimming in some murky mm-hmm. waters where I just like feel like in a total fog most mm-hmm. of the time. I mean, there were weeks, there were probably months. I could, I felt like I couldn't formulate thought. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't 
under specific stress. Like there wasn't, I mean, crisis schooling, yes, but mostly for the health of my relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, but like there was nothing, uh, there was no inherent doom I was facing, but the energy of the world and like all of it, right. Just feels, and it still does. It still feels murky. Um, and so that had its own, it's like we kept, we kept using all of us, we kept using that word about being in the goo of like transformation. Mm -hmm. And we're, we are still very much Mm -hmm. in the goo, but I think some people are, you know, turning their caterpillar into a different butterfly than they were on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Than they intended their lives to be. And that's happening in your, in your, um, studio and it's happening in all of our lives. Like as we shift into school this year, I have very different values around what's going to happen and what I value for my family and what matters most for my kid than I did previous to this, right? There's like this beauty that can be born of all of it. And I think part of what's happening that can, people probably can reflect on, even if they don't own a business, is that what, the, what we're really doing is redefining our values, period. Yeah. People left their nine to five jobs that they thought they needed and would miss and realize they don't miss it, a mm-hmm. lot of people. Or, or organizations are realizing, I don't really need this enormous structure that housed these people. Mm-hmm. People can work productively at home. And like, I just think there's, there's so many fascinating things that will happen for those who are willing mm-hmm. to release their selfish individual outlook for a moment. Or maybe that's not even the right way to say it. I, think if, I just think there's so much um, space for us to really begin again if people are willing to let go of the fear and the ego piece to some extent mm-hmm. and, and kind of broaden their view mm-hmm. and maybe see through a different lens, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the, I, I agree with that, but I think that there's um, an undercurrent right now of, and, and, and because what has grown out of, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but what has grown out of fear and scarcity has become an even more opportunistic mm. culture right now. Well, of, if you're driven by selfish yes. ego fear, yes. You know, like what's yeah. my next opportunity? Like, yeah. I think that that's something that was really interesting that you and I talked about long ago. We, I came over for coffee and stayed yeah. for seven hours, <laughs> um, but we were talking on the porch about how, you know, it was, I think that that was an interesting experience for me at one point. I think it was a year or two ago, just about a year ago, maybe where I acknowledged and understood that, um, sometimes people will, utilize citizen as an opportunity as a platform for themselves and Mm -hmm. I had never expected sort of that to happen Mm. that was like a really weird like oh wow okay like I didn't get I I don't really think about things like that in that way and so I think that COVID is sort of highlighting some of that nature in us shadows yeah yeah. like what's a better opportunity right Mm -hmm. now for me and if it's not a good, if you're no longer the good opportunity, mm-hmm. then you don't have a value. So how as a country and as a community, can we not base our values on opportunities? Mm-hmm. So like, I think about that when you grow, if you were an entrepreneur, for example, mm-hmm. you know, um, I used to, I think I've told, I talked about this, but you know, I used to teach classes out of Matthew's, Matthew Darling's mm-hmm. studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, no people would come right. most of the time. I would just like sit and do yoga by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but not thinking yeah. about it as 
this is an opportunity. It's just like, I'm just doing the right thing. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. okay that people aren't coming. It's Mm -hmm. okay that this, this experience I'm not making money on. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe that's, that's a very privileged way of thinking. Sure. Okay. So let's, feeding yourself, right. I'm feeding myself. So let's, let's say like, okay, this is a, this is with the assumption that relative basic needs Mm -hmm. are being met. Yes. Um, that's important. Yeah. Um, to make a note of. However, there still can be that thread of doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that COVID is sort of forcing us to give up a little bit. Forcing some people to give up or to not remember. I'd be interested to understand, and of course we should probably get Cindy Warren in this conversation about the brain, like what is the brain science around stress and the relationship between stress and your short-term memory? Oh, well, there's obviously a huge relationship there. Right, of yeah. course. But I don't know, like, I don't want to, like, start talking about it because I yeah. don't know exactly yeah. how it how it functions together. Mm-hmm. But sort of seeing how there's a lot of, like, short-term memory loss and, like, not remembering mm-hmm. based in how stressed you are. Well, I mean, even just think about it from the perspective of presence, right? Yeah. If we're in stress, we are not in the moment. Right. So if we're never in the moment, then we're likely not logging very well what's happening in any moment. I mean, that's just, right. And that's just makes sense. I think it's really interesting what you're saying, because what we're saying is actually the same thing in that if you can step outside of your stress and your ego and your fear and it, and sometimes that means that you watch the wave of that, you allow yourself to be triggered or have the moment or panic or whatever. And when you come down to the other side of it, it's like, I think sometimes people expect spiritual people or meditators or whatever to not follow the bell curve of human behavior. Yeah, we do. But when we get to the other side, the difference is, is that we look backward and go, okay, now that I'm back to like relatively neutral, yeah, what am I really needing to know or learn about that? And Mm so, yeah, people who are in scarcity and fear are going to look for opportunist in a way that feels grasping. It's like the integrity and the intention is different Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who's being innovative Mm -hmm. and thinking, how can I diversify Mm -hmm. that also can look like opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I think it's a, there's a really gray Fine space line. there. Yeah. And I think it, the only difference is really um, intention because most of us are thinking, how can I take mm. my business online more? Mm-hmm. You know, my friend Lori Lipton is like completely turning her program to online because she has to, right? right. You've turned your teacher training into online because you have to. Right. That isn't, op- I mean, it's not opportunistic because it isn't ego driven. It's just, I gotta, I gotta I adapt. Yeah. Right. I and so... I just think it's, it's the, it's where is it coming from, mm-hmm. you know, which, which base emotion is this coming from? This is coming from trust and faith and hope and knowledge that I can continue to co-create and create a reality that feels mm-hmm. supported and abundant in spite of my circumstances, or do I need to grasp at every opportunity because something might give me the more name, fame, Whatever. Power. Right. I mean, that's really like, I think that the, the, the industry of yoga is, it's such a confusing industry because you're teaching things in your class, but mm-hmm. not necessarily living the things. And that was, that actually to me was one of the pieces that I really, 
I, I think it's really hard to live it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our core values, for example, like, okay, we have very clear core values and every decision I make, whether people understand it or not, is based in these core values. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't make arbitrary business decisions. Sometimes right. I'm impulsive, which is my nature. Um, You're far less, far less impulsive than you were when you started. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I've been working on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like really funny decisions. You know, I just have to tell you this one impulsive sale, flash sale I did one year for our birthday. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. I was like, oh yeah, we should do 30, you can do like 30% your way. Mm-hmm. But then I realized at 7 a.m. in Detroit when we were doing it, that 30% off a 50 class pass was like, we would be like giving it away. Yeah. yeah. So I, then I had to like change my idea. <laughs> it was like the one, ter- I've had two very terrible ideas in my <laughs> career and that was one of them. Um, and I like laugh about it all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that there is something really challenging about running a business that each, each day challenges your core values. Mm -hmm. Now in COVID you're, you're more challenged than ever Mm -hmm. to, 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 to follow those. But that, that to me is one reason that you and I sort of envision citizen because a lot of the places that we were, their core values were different than the core values that they spoke about in the yoga room, how they ran their company. Now, that doesn't mean everybody understands every choice that I make mm-hmm. or that I've done everything in alignment or with integrity or, you know, again, right. human right. error. Um, you know, my biggest, I would say that my biggest weakness is I talk so much mm-hmm. that sometimes I forget what I say and that has gotten mm. me into some, not trouble. I don't want to use the word trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I just mean that to me is something that I'm working on this year. Yeah. That's my, that's my intention for this year is to really monitor what's coming out of my mouth because I'm yeah. so hyperverbal. Right. And that is probably the only time that I've strayed a little bit from core values Mm-hmm. unknowingly, of yeah. course. It's yeah. the unconscious side of who I am. And wanting to make people happy. Yes. And in the moment, reduce discomfort, which we yes. all do. It's, it's mm. like what we're taught to do as women. So there's that. But how do we every day live our core values without with un- acknowledging that they're being challenged in every turn? Yeah. Well, that's, I think, the, the, that is what it means to work, to be awake in our lives, is that... First, you have to be willing to even figure out what your core values are, which I think most people are clueless about. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's taught in our culture to, to look for that kind of information inside ourselves. Um, and most of us just sort of take blindly whatever core values were passed on to us from either our family, right. our ancestry, or our mm. religion, mm-hmm. our faith. Um, Do you have one that you... I'm like thinking of one. Do you have one that you feel like you were given that you sort of feel like wasn't isn't really who you are that you've let go of. Hmm. You'd say yours and I'll think about mine. Mine is this idea of being free. Mm. Like free, like no, having discipline is no freedom. Having boundary means that you don't have freedom. And so the lack of boundary, that was a dog's head. (laughs) Um, Maybe they could hear it. Uh, The lack of boundary was a way to be more self 
expressive mm. and, and experience freedom. Mm -hmm. But actually what I've learned as an adult is that the lack of boundary creates lack of stability for me for sure mm -hmm. but also um an undercurrent of disrespect for other people mm. like well i'm gonna just do what i want mm. or i don't want to do that because that's uncomfortable for me mm -hmm. and that's what i was taught and not mm -hmm. and not to say that you know the, that was my only value as a child that wasn't no, no, no. but that was that was something i had to shed as an adult mm-hmm Interesting. I'm sure there's a million right now that there's like two sort of that are coming to me. I, the environment I was in, raised in, and they probably kind of play together, was, um, and I think these are sort of like classic uh, British UK type mm. things about um, not really allowing yourself the fullness of human experience. Like don't be too, and this was also mental health in my home and things like that, but like don't get too sad or too happy. Just kind of always hold this like middle line. Mm. And yes, I'm a grounded person. It's right, my right. nature. Yeah. But giving myself permission to go high and to go low was not something that was really a, a allowed for me. Which And within that came also this sense of like, um, don't take up too much space, right? Is really mm -hmm. with that, which I think a lot of us are past that one. Like, don't be too outspoken. Don't have yes. too much of an opinion. Don't, um, and like, how do we, one I continue to grapple with is like, especially those of us who feel called to role of teacher, right. Mm -hmm. And being in a spiritual world, right. How do I have a voice in the world and fulfill my own soul's calling of, of teaching and speaking and, um, being with group, right. Cause mm -hmm. you and I both, I like thrive mm -hmm. on group, yeah. um, and group energy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like a, therapist one-on-one -on -one kind of person. Me it would, either. It I was literally just me. saying that. I yeah. was like, I can't even do like private yoga sessions because yeah. I'm like, okay, can you bring seven people? Right. Exactly. Like, and then I can do it. But like if, if I do one-on-one, -on -one, like I don't know what is why. Right. Exactly. So, um, so learning how to honor who I am, take up space, have a voice and still constantly check in that I'm not, that it isn't ego driven. Right. And I'm more afraid of it being ego driven. Like it's more the fear of showing up like other people have that I found to be icky. Yeah. 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 It stops me than my own feeling that it is my ego. Do you, does that make yes, sense? Like, yeah. like, are you the caricature or the cult leader or right. the, um, because it's misuse of power. Right. Right. Yes. And I'm so careful about that. And I think part of that carefulness or, or hypervigilance yeah. is also back to sort of old school Christian values, English values, you know, and the like hyper monitoring. Yeah. Yeah. Itself. That, yeah. Right. But like I was taught the exact opposite of like, don't monitor. Yeah. Like, be free. You know, be do whatever. Free. Say yeah. whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. You know? And like, I did get some of that thankfully from my mother. She's very blunt, but yeah. Yeah. That's like. Uh, that, that, that's been like a really, um, interesting sort of exploration of how we can evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think that when we start to look, there are so many things that we're taught that don't fit. And, and most of that is like ancestral imprinting, um, you know, lessons that came from out of the Holocaust, right? right. For people of Jewish faith and how, what that was like for, for my, um, you know, at least in this body, uh, you know, depression and, um, mm -hmm. poverty and just like, you can go back and back and back. And those, those leave imprints on mm -hmm. us. And so if you're not 
aware, then you're going to be carrying around core values and trying to match your life to those core values that were handed to you that aren't really your core values. They're just values that were given Mm -hmm. to you. And then you find yourself in these places where you're really discontent, unhappy, yeah. and you don't know why, right? right. Because I think a lot of people are feeling like that though right now. That's what that's what I'm saying. I think that is so much of what's being highlighted both nationally, globally, and right. Um, we don't have personally. any core values except the individual. Yes, that was the that was the point yep. uh, of. I was mentioning before there's an article in the New York Times saying why did the U.S. handle this pandemic so poorly? Yep. And one of the reasons is that we prioritize too much the individual over the collective. Yep. It was about everybody's rights and everybody's freedoms and everybody's preferences. Mm-hmm. I would say more preferences than than rights. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. what's the difference between a right and a preference? Yep. Yeah. That's a real thing. Like I like this, I don't like this, and just because you dislike it doesn't mean that then where somebody's going against your right. Yes. Which is a sort of uh, our problem. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. So now you're violating my rights. Yes. Like as if rights are the things that, that protect you from discomfort. Right. That's not what it is. Right. I, I keep thinking of that in that sort of conversation that it's about the difference between power over versus empowered. Mm. And I was going to ask you a question about that. So yeah. So to me, this, you know, let's just call it what it is. This debate around masks, right. Became power over versus empowered. And I know it's hotly debated. Like I, you're probably uncomfortable that I just brought it no, up. I don't but care. Okay. But speak whatever you want. Um, but this is what I finally, I, I was trying to understand what is so, how our viewpoints, like this is what I keep doing, like how can we see the world through such different lenses, even within the spiritual community, which I used to believe we were more in alignment than apparently no. we are, right? We're not. Whatever the, whoever the spiritual community yeah, is, is that? That I don't freaking know, but, um, but I was like, I, this is what I don't, this is the difference and what I, what I, what I think is so, what people need a, a mind flip around this is that. I was raised in a way that was everybody gives a little so that you can be slightly inconvenienced to benefit the whole. And that's just something that's like the right thing to do. Mm. So that means you pay your taxes. That means you vote yes to give a little more money to the schools or like when the rail, the M rail, whatever was going to try to come this way. Yes, I'll pay more to let mass transit be more accessible. Like that was always things like. You know, and this is what I think many people are starting to label heated words like socialism and communism and Marxism and all these things that are just getting thrown out. But to me, that's just a core value. You do, if you have, you give a little bit more to help the whole, like that. So to me, in my experience, whether the masks worked was irrelevant, mm-hmm. if it was going to help a few, it was a small, small sacrifice I could make. And I wasn't giving my power away to the authority that said I needed to wear the mask, right? Right. Because I know that my personal liberation has nothing to do with what's outside of me, right? right? Nothing to do with it, Mm -hmm. right? And that's your point about what would I be without my business? You know what? You'd figure it out. You'd be okay because your business is still an external thing. Right. And, and I, who is it? Um, the Holocaust writer, I'm sorry, his name is escaping me. Uh, he wrote Night, Elie Wiesel. He's, isn't he, yeah. he the one, I think, who talks sort of about this? Like, that, like, he still maintains some sense of his own inherent self, that no matter the atrocities that he was in and with and experiencing and seeing, like, the, the people who survived the Holocaust likely had some thread of always knowing that their personal liberation was from within. Mm-hmm. 
and we can talk about that from pretty much anybody who's jailed unjustly and survives with some modicum of mental health still mm -hmm. intact, you mm -hmm. know, um, that that's what's true. And so yoga is trying to offer you the reminder that your liberation is within you, your freedom is within you. And, yeah. and that, that the choice to reclaim that power is always within your own hands, no matter what the circumstances of the world are. Mm -hmm. But you have to let go of the idea that somebody's trying to exert power over you mm -hmm. or take yeah. away your power. I think that that's like the, the lens that we were talking about earlier, yeah. which was like, that's where I think people are confused. Mm -hmm. It's like, just because you like, I, I, and I'm not even just talking about citizens. So yeah, I outside know, globally, of citizens, right. globally, like if you work for a company it does not mean that you're a disempowered person. Right. And so my question to you is like, what's the difference between being empowered and being an in, like individualistic? Yeah. Because I think that those two things are being extremely confused right now. Yeah. Like if I think about myself and now I'm this empowered person, then I'm empowered. But like, is that to say that when you are in the collective, you're not an empowered person? Right. Well, I think it's about, I think disempowerment is giving Gosh, that's such a, I know this is, I've been really like toying with this and talking about it in class too. Mm. Disempowerment, I think, is the illusion that somebody else holds it, right? Or has it and, it, and you have to get it back, right? Or mm -hmm. I, I guess that's part of what I think of like with this individualism type approach is that it's really based on somebody yes. else is trying to take it from you. Oh, interesting. That's a, that's a, I see your distinguishing factor. Yeah. Okay, good. Cause maybe I don't yet. Yeah. But. So like what you're saying is like, <laughs> If you're an empowered person, you have that thread of like, I can be within a community, I can be within a collective, I can be within a company, I can be within my family, and my thread of, of still worth and power is not it's not taken away because I'm a part of something. Yes. I think that that's what's being confused yes. right now. It's yes. like, oh, I'm a part of something? Oh, then I'm disempowered. Yes. And... and to some people, for to sure. To some people. Yes. I don't mean all people. Yeah. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is just, uh, again, like... Remember, if you're listening and like you're taking it personally, stop. Um, it's just, <laughs> well, unless it's for you, like right. reflect. That's the whole point, right? Reflect. Yeah. If it's triggering you, there's something in there to look. That's always the truth of it. That is. Yeah. Um, yes, I think that's okay. So say that again because I it was triggering another thought for me. So, the individualist is thinking, oh, because I'm a part of the collective, a business, a company, a community, a family. That not maybe not a family, a family. Sometimes though, yeah, families okay. can be really disempowering. Uh, yeah then I'm not empowered because I am a part of something mm -hmm. or that, mm -hmm. that part is giving me part of my whole. So now in order to become empowered, I must break that relationship and say, I'm an individual and I do it on my own, mm -hmm. which I think has become this like empowered persona, like a camouflage driven by empowered ego and fear. persona. Yes. 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 And I feel like that is what I too have been trying to grapple with, uncover, make sure that I'm not in that trip fall like that, or the, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm in, I'm not in that same cycle. Yeah. Like I, I have to start to put words to it and reflect on it so that I too am not that individual trying to say, to keep something together in a way that then makes other people disempowered. Yeah. It's a, such a strange place mm -hmm. right now to be in because I think people are thinking, the more I am my individual, the more, in quotes, empowered I am. Right. But why does empowered mean that you have to sort of, if you would use the word, dis disenfranchise? 
Right, and I, think I don't know what if it, dis- I would love to work up, look up the definition of disenfranchised, but yeah. Yeah, I think that um, what, what we're talking about to some extent is this idea that, well, I think that your, imp- your personal empowerment really, if it's, if it's true, I don't know if this, this is true, but this is what I'm feeling right now as I'm saying it, okay. is that it won't take away, it will never take away from somebody else's. They might perceive it mm. as taking away their power, but inherently standing in your truth and power doesn't take away. It might make people uncomfortable. They might not get the payoff they wanted from you. Mm. You might break the kind of contract of the relationship, but it isn't, I think true empowerment cannot be given or taken, right? It mm-hmm. exists within you. I, I remember a couple, I talked about this during class a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know how you are in class, but for me, it's like a direct channel, and I don't always remember what yes. I say. So, oh, <laughs> people are like, why don't you put on your, in- okay, this is actually a conversation. Yeah. Casey, because I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with my Instagram. Like, oh, yeah. I don't like know what to say. And they're like, you say so much every day. Why don't you just put whatever you're saying in philosophy and in your classes on your Instagram? I'm like, I don't remember what I say. Like I've I literally you know what I thought, mean? Like, I'm like, I don't yeah. know. Like, okay, can somebody sit in class and write it down? Because I'm not like had this prescriptive written down journal of like yeah. all these things I'm gonna say to people. I'm teaching to the person, to the people, to the group that to are the in energy. front of me. Totally. Yeah. Um, I have heard recommended that you record yourself and then voice transcript like voice to script oh, thing. I need to do the same thing. Okay, that's a good idea. Because I feel the same way about writing. I'm like, right. it doesn't come the same way if I'm not speaking it. That's because yeah. we're wired for group and public and, yeah. teaching, right? Um, okay, so back to this thing. I was talking about this in class, and one of the things that like, I think when you brought up family, it triggered a memory around that for me, is that often like, like in our lives, we, we grow and adapt and change, right? Actually, we were just having this conversation in my kitchen yesterday with our friend, um, Sam, who's 20. And that um, what happens is like you leave your home environment, right? The, your family of origin, and you go out into the world and you start to like strip away some of these mm-hmm. things that didn't fit, right? That they were kind of placed upon you. And then every once in a while, every holiday, a couple times a year, you find yourself placed back in. Mm-hmm. And it's like the expectation is that everyone's expecting you to be who you were, mm-hmm. even though you yourself have changed, likely in some big or small ways, right. right? And then like, how do we, and then we start to see all these like unhealthy patterns and we're like, holy crap, no wonder I've struggled with whatever, right? Because like that programming was installed in me and I'm seeing it now because I've removed myself a little bit. And it's like, how do you stand in your power without pissing off your whole family or the whole dynamics? And like, I think so often we think we have to exert that in some way, that you have to start the fight with your mother and point out all the ways she's flawed in order to like regain your power. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes that's true, but I think it's sometimes just as simple as holding your core value Mm -hmm. in that space Letting things roll off that are not necessary and just remembering who you are in spite of that old dynamic trying to pull you back in. Yeah. And what I keep hearing over and over again, like empowerment is ultimately identifying your core values and holding steady to that because your power exists within those, that value system, I guess. You yeah. Know? And that was something that I think has shifted for me at Citizen, which is really focusing on the work that we're doing as helping people arrive in their own maturity. Mm. We never really used the word mature in the past, Mm. but that to me is something that I have seen was lacking in myself. Mm. Um, When I first opened, still obviously is lacking in myself (laughs) and many times. Um, But really that, like, how do we define maturity? And it was interesting, um, you know, I've been studying with a teacher out of New York, Abby Galvin, who I think is hysterical. 
And there, there are two parts of this. One is that um, they were defining, she was defining like, and it, it was so ring true, like a beginner mm -hmm. thinks they know everything. So mm -hmm. that's like your teenage self. Yeah. Right? But what I actually am seeing in most people is that they're just an intermediate, which feels like they know nothing, which means they have to rebel against everything. Mm. And then an advanced or expert person, you just understand where you're at. Yeah. And when you become advanced in asana, you just, you understand that it's infinite. Yeah. And that I will never know everything about asana. Yep. It's impossible. Just like I would never know everything about philosophy. Yep. Before, I would be like, I know nothing. Yeah. And that knowing, knowing nothing makes you feel like you're in a lacking space, in a rebellious phase, because mm -hmm. you're so like afraid that you're nothing. Mm. And, and, and in the beginning, you're like, you have this like novice, like sort of blissfully ignorant, like I know everything, you mm -hmm. know, kind of like mm -hmm. teenager mm -hmm. vibe. I know my body. And yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think that that's a, a part of this journey to self-empowerment is really becoming a mature person. And then there's this other sort of section um, in Katona Yoga where they talk about the four stages, which again, in, in Vedanta, there's the four um, waking, dream, deep, uh, excuse me, uh, deep, we'll start with deep sleep, dream, waking, and then the fourth state. And instead of the fourth state being like enlightenment in, in this particular school, which we're not a school of yoga because we love everybody, but in this school, they talk about the first sort of level of yourself, which is like your unconscious. Mm -hmm. And then the second level is like your technique, your capability, the things that you learn. The third is your ability to reflect on it, mm -hmm. to digest it, to look at it, to have a vision about it. And then the fourth is like your mature state. Mm. And I think that that is where we're trying to journey, but we keep getting stuck in like mm -hmm. the unconscious, I'm trying to learn, I'm the intermediate, I know nothing. Right. And so how do we, how, how do we facilitate our own selves? Because I'm going to talk about myself more than I would just be like, how do I help others? Mm -hmm. How do I facilitate my own maturity has been a question that I've been asking myself through COVID mm -hmm. um, versus my enlightenment. Yeah. Right. Well, that makes sense to me anyway, because I always think. Right. Like, it's yeah. a complicated, I, I, I think so many of those, um, and this is just my personal opinion, but so many, and this has came up with the teacher trainers the last time I met with them when we were going over yamas and niyamas and, um, and the eight limbs of yoga, which is, uh, of Ashtanga yoga, um, which is like, how much do we allow something to evolve while still honoring the tradition? Totally. Right. And you know, we were, we were speaking specifically on the, um, I'm sorry for Brahi Mahara, whatever that one is. Uh, I'm sure I just totally effed that up, but the one about celibacy essentially. Oh, Bra Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya. Sorry. Thank you. I kinda, I'm mixing them all up. A parigraha and that one mixed yeah, together. That was yeah. Good. That was like a portmanteau of yeah. two. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Of Don't two grasp words. Your, your celibacy. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but we were talking about it from the perspective of like so many of these, um, sort of codes of living came out of completely different times and like patriarchy and oppression of women and yeah. that women were dangerous and their sexuality was dangerous. Anyway, the point being the maturity piece to me is even, can I take what's what the, the heart and the truth and anything, but also recognize that it mm. may not stay totally intact as it once was because yeah. the world is changing all the time and our, and our con collective consciousness and our individual consciousness is yeah. changing. 
Yeah, so it's really interesting about this idea of I like maturity better than enlightenment too. Yeah. Also because my point, the whole reason I started that part, that what I was saying, is that enlightenment has never felt real to me because I've always felt very connected with the idea that I am a soul who chose to embody as a human, but I have to still play by human rules. Right. Until I'm not embodied until anymore. Until you're not embodied. It's, um, it's funny because I'm getting this visual of like our journey and it sounds so sort of trite and dumb, but it's okay. Which is like before, like as a beginner in this like country, in this world or in my life, it's like, okay, I know everything and you're just like this little caterpillar, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think in the past couple years, we've become, you know, like the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah. Where we like have been consuming Mm -hmm. at this like massive rate and then we're just like this giant caterpillar. (laughs) Yeah. And then like quarantine is like this cocoon Mm -hmm. of... It could be your like transformation or it could just not be your transformation of who you want to become and mm-hmm. who you want to mature into. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're an individual, I, for me, like I've learned that the more I think one, the more I think about myself, the less happy I am. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. Like if I could, if I could write a, I think I've said this in a past podcast, like if I could write a life thesis mm-hmm. and like try to prove it, like to me, that's what my life is purpose is, is like just to prove to myself as well, not to just others, but to myself, that the more I think collectively, not in a, a disregarding of the individual, I'm a very individualistic person. Mm-hmm. I love fashion and, yeah. and self-expression and all those things. Yeah. But just the idea that if I just pin a little bit more to the whole and think about how others are doing more than how I'm doing, mm-hmm. I will be a happier person mm-hmm. or at least a less scared person. Yeah. A less scared person because I would say that happiness to me is like whatever, but I, yeah, I'm a scared, I'm a very scared person generally, Mm -hmm. like in Mm -hmm. my genetic makeup and like my soul experience. And I would totally go back again to that thing I was saying about journey of souls and it's reflected in many teachings, um, sort of in the more metaphysical world, which is that that is part of the evolution of the soul that I see myself as part of the collective and I care more about the collective than my individual self. And that collaboration is actually like a mark Mm. of maturity, right? That I am not afraid like the spiritual world acts all the time like it wants to collaborate my friend Lori and I talk about this all the time and then it becomes this like you know ego dance and you watch you watch people kind of grasping at their power and it even goes to the conversation of how to how do I monetize in a world that I need money is the energy currency right and so how do I monetize this sort of like yoga, right? Or yeah. spiritual teachings or a podcast yeah. that talks about spirituality or, or online programming that helps people grow. Like how do we monetize that? Because it is an energy exchange, but how do I get okay with that? Um, when I feel like really, I just want it to serve. Right. But I think the, uh, the other piece of that is also collaboration. How do I not, how do I find somebody who's also willing to collaborate without it feel like feeling like a reflection of my own unworthiness or fighting for adoration or, you know, all of that. Anyway, I think think that that's a specific, like you have to consistently fight that, like even as an owner and like, especially during this time where everybody, everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, that has been really interesting self checking Mm -hmm. of like, I can't provide everything for everyone. Right. So if I say to somebody, you can't do this or you can't do your own thing, is that a statement against citizen? Or can that just be understanding that people right now have to sort of do 
aspects of their own thing. And that has sort of like popped my fantasy bubble Mm -hmm. that like, you know, we had some big plans for our teachers this year and COVID ran over those Mm -hmm. with a big Mack truck. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that that has been uh, something really challenging and really interesting to to watch mm-hmm. and to be a part of and to witness mm-hmm. um you know fancy fancy and i had a conversation where she said you know i'm teaching my regular schedule right now mm-hmm. and i know that one day you will say hey thank you so much and you will give back to me yeah for paying me less and, and me teaching probably more. Yeah. And working harder because yeah. you're on Zoom in the middle of a pandemic yeah. about to cry your right. face off. Right. And I said to her, like, yeah, like, one, thank you. Like, that to me was such an expression of values that mm-hmm. not everybody said to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I will forever remember that conversation um, because it was an, it was a true expression of your core values in that moment because I didn't have that. That wasn't the conversation I had with everybody. Right. And not, not to say our team isn't amazing because everybody is amazing. Right. But, but that sort of acknowledgement of I will work as hard as I always do with Citizen. Yeah. I will be paid less. Yeah. And I'm okay with that, but I know that you'll take care of me if I need to be taken care of. And I was like, yes. Right. For life. Right. Right. For life. Right. And I said that to Zemba the other day, like whatever happens, like we are in this together Yeah. and whatever support you need, I will do my best to give you that support yeah. and the same to you. And yeah. I mean the same to every person on our team sure. to the extent that I can offer that. Yeah. And I think that that when we talk about individual and collective, that moment on the phone, I know exactly where I was walking was just like, yeah, this is why you are on my team. Right. Like, this is why we are together is because we do believe in this. Yeah. We don't, we're not teaching for any other reason. We're not a part of Citizen for any other reason than being a part of a collective, yeah. serving students, yeah. and living our soul's mission, which is to help people yep. and to uplift people yep. and ourselves, of course. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that conversation because... Um, that stuck with me very deeply, actually. Yeah. Well, this is really the bow ending, right? Is mm-hmm. like, even in the midst of this, how can I get out of my own way in order to, you know, serve, collaborate, be a part of like the collective solution, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that means that's helping. That's what is, what is, yeah, yeah. sorry. No, no, that's Keep okay. Going. Yeah. Just like, I think that's really what this is all about. I think this is the one of the many gifts of the pandemic in general is that just am I willing to really get out of my own way and really identify my core values and then step into them, having faith that by stepping into that path and that flow, all is well. Mm-hmm. All will be okay, you mm-hmm. know? And Not the same. No. Right? Not the same. Because I think when we say like the misinterpretation is all as well will be like all will be back to normal so to me all as well is more like um i have faith in myself and i have faith in the universe that like there will be another side of this and it won't be the same necessarily i mean that's sort of life like mm-hmm. for sure um it won't be the same but and i won't be the same 
but there will still be, it's back to that, like Santosha, that at least there'll be that sense of contentment and those moments and those glimpses of calm, you know, that come to me, like all as well as like, actually it's the anchor, even though it's, I think it's from the Bible, but like, to me, it's the anchor of like, even in the midst of chaos and sadness and anxiety and fear and heartbreak, I know that there is always sort of another side to it. Mm -hmm. There will be a time that we look back and this is all a blip. Mm -hmm. There will be that and it will be different and will be different. Yeah. If we, especially if we choose to continue to show up in the work that's being asked of us. Yeah. Which is inner work. The collect, I like the idea of like the collective solution. Yeah. Like can you be a part of the collective solution versus the individual solution? Yes. I never put that in those terms. So yeah. Well, this was Thank great. you. Thank you. We'll keep... We'll, we'll, we should just do it for seven hours. Perfect. We can just divide it into different episodes. Um, cool. Thanks, fans. You're welcome.